You're listening to the N2K Space Network. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the darknet, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire. Australia, the UK, and the US. With their powers combined, they are AUKUS. And AUKUS have some encouraging next steps announced today for their trilateral agreement for space domain awareness known as DARK. The three countries said they will each be hosting a radar site to support the mission, with the first one in Western Australia expected to come online in 2026. Today is December the 4th, 2023. I'm Maria Varmazis, and this is T-Minus. AUKUS announces the Deep Space Advanced Radar Capability Program. NICFI and the Bezos Earth Fund to provide free access to satellite data. Two space companies have been awarded major contracts to work on a UK-led climate satellite mission. And our guest today is Jaume Sampera, CEO and founder of Satelliot. Now let's dive into today's Intel briefing. As we mentioned at the top of the show, the United States, United Kingdom, and Australia announced a trilateral initiative called the Deep Space Advanced Radar Capability today, following the signing of a Memorandum of Understanding in September. The Deep Space Advanced Radar Capability Program, known as DARK, will provide 24-7 all-weather capabilities that will increase AUKUS nation's ability to characterize objects deep in space up to 22,000 miles away from Earth. DARK will see a global network of three ground-based radars to be jointly operated and will assist in critical space traffic management and contribute to the global surveillance of satellites in deep space. The unique geographic positioning of the three nations means that DARK can provide global coverage, including detecting potential threats to defense or civilian space systems. The Memorandum of Understanding between the three countries will last for 22 years. U.S. Assistant Secretary of Defense for Space Policy Dr. John Plum said this of the DARK agreement. 
Space domain awareness is foundational to responsible space operations, and it is essential for responding to activity in space, whether that activity is routine or hostile. AUKUS has accelerated the delivery of the DARK initiative, and DARK will improve interoperability between the AUKUS partners. This is a key priority for the AUKUS Advanced Capabilities Program, which they have termed Pillar 2, a bold generational opportunity for AUKUS to harness and uplift innovation enterprises and industries, remove barriers to cooperation, and together develop advanced capabilities for our warfighters. The first dark radar site is being constructed in Australia and is expected to be operational in 2026. All three sites are expected to be operational by the end of the decade. And we are in the second week of the United Nations Framework Convention of Climate Change's Conference of the Parties. You might otherwise know it as COP28. And many a space program and a few nations have used the conference to build new relationships and announce new contracts for Earth observation. So let's dive into some of that were announced over the weekend. One of them is Norway's International Climate and Forest Initiative, known as NICFI, and the Bezos Earth Fund have announced a new partnership to continue providing the world with free access to high-resolution satellite data to support efforts to stop the destruction of the world's rainforests. The partnership adds to the $43 million previously granted by NICFI to establish the NICFI Satellite Data Program and complements the Bezos Earth Fund's investments in protecting tropical rainforests, enhancing data, monitoring, and accountability. NICFI will contribute 100 million Norwegian krona, which amounts to approximately 9.2 million U.S. dollars, to a new phase of the program for up to four years. The Bezos Earth Fund expects to contribute a similar amount to the program, pending satisfactory conclusion of the upcoming procurement process. And another announcement out of COP28, Airbus UK has been awarded nearly 95 million pounds and Teledyne E2V 9 million pounds through the UK Space Agency's membership of the European Space Agency to deliver the next phase of the TRUTHS mission. Now, TRUTHS, which stands for Traceable Radiometry Underpinning Terrestrial and Helio Studies, is a UK-led climate satellite mission. And it will collect the most accurate measurements of energy coming into the Earth from the sun and light reflected off of Earth's surface. The funding to Airbus will go towards satellite design and development, while Teledyne E2V will work on a sensor called the Hyperspectral Imaging Spectrometer Detection System and its associated electronics. This instrument will make measurements of ocean and land surfaces to support studies of Earth radiation budgets and improve observations that support the modeling of climate, land use change, the carbon cycle, agriculture, and pollution. And this next story is an incident that seems straight out of Hollywood or maybe an episode of For All Mankind. Russian cosmonauts came to the rescue of a cargo ship heading to the International Space Station after the vehicle experienced a guidance problem. Cosmonauts working at the control station inside the ISS remotely guided the Progress cargo ship into port after its automated rendezvous system lost alignment during final approach. The vehicle carried 3,423 pounds of equipment and crew supplies, 88 pounds of nitrogen, 926 pounds of water, and 1,135 pounds of propellant used to help maintain the station's orbit. Can you imagine if that had not been able to dock? Ah, thankfully it did. And in a surprise announcement late last week, Amazon said that it had purchased rides for its Project Kuiper satellites 
on rival SpaceX rockets. Amazon has secured three launches with SpaceX for its satellite internet service vehicles, which will compete with SpaceX's Starlink services. Amazon had previously secured rides with owner Jeff Bezos's rocket company Blue Origin, a decision which was later criticized by shareholders. Amazon has signed with SpaceX for three Falcon 9 launches in mid-2025, and financial terms of the agreement were not disclosed. This second International Orbital Debris Conference is being held in Texas this week, and the goal of the conference is to help promote orbital debris research activities in the United States and to foster collaborations with the international community. The four-day conference will cover all aspects of meteoroid and orbital debris research, mission support, and other related activities. South Korea has conducted a flight of a solid-fuel rocket carrying a satellite over the sea near Jeju Island amid growing space tension with neighboring North Korea. Monday's mission was the third successful test of the rocket's technology after two launches in March and April 2022. The rocket technology was developed at the state-run Agency for Defense Development with a booster and satellite produced by South Korea's Hanwha Systems. And Australian-based space technology company Newman Space has successfully completed the first series of on-orbit tests of its propulsion system, the Newman Drive. Newman Space is the first commercial entity to fire a thruster in space that uses molybdenum as a solid metallic propellant. The company's Newman Drive was integrated into a Skycraft 3 satellite, which was launched into space in June of this year. Since launch, Newman Space has been working to demonstrate the patented pulsed cathodic arc thruster technology. The on-orbit testing was designed to confirm the resilience of the Newman Drive to the launch environment, to carefully validate the system's electronics, to demonstrate charging of its power capacitors, and to conduct a test firing of the thruster, all of which were successfully completed. Newman Space has now concluded the first of its demonstrations in space, with further missions scheduled later this year and in 2024 as part of a sequential program to deliver further flight heritage. Newman Space has also been working with kinetic launch company SpinLaunch to see if their propulsion system would work on the SpinLaunch system. And that concludes our briefing for today. And as always, we've got more details on all the stories we've mentioned in today's show notes. Just follow the links. We've added an extra one in there on NASA's workforce woes. Oh, no. You'll find them all at space.n2k.com and just click on this episode title. Hey, T-minus crew. Every Monday, we produce a written intelligence roundup, and it's called Signals and Space. So if you happen to miss any T-minus episodes... This strategic intelligence product will get you up to speed in the fastest way possible. It's all signal, no noise. You can sign up for Signals in Space in our show notes or at space.n2k.com. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. 
Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Our guest today is Jaume Sanpera, CEO and founder of Satelliot. And I'm sure many of you are familiar with what the Internet of Things or IoT is, but using it in conjunction with satellites is pretty fascinating. So I started off by asking Jaume about their use of narrowband IoT coverage. What we saw is that in the world, there are 20% of the world that has mobile coverage from the MNO, from the mobile network operators. In this uh, 20% of the world, there are already 5 billion things connected, IoT devices connected. In the other 80% of the world, there was only a satellite option. Satellite option, uh, mm-hmm. they are based on standard proprietary uh, protocols and devices, which means that they have no economies of scale. This, it's, uh, it makes super difficult to uh, use it because of the cost of the device and the cost of the uh, monthly uh, quota, the RPU. Uh, then what we have, uh, when we saw what we did, okay, we started five years ago. Uh, we look at the standard devices that MBIOT, the narrow one uh, IoT devices that uh, the mobile operators are using, and we saw that the same devices, the hardware capability of being directly connected uh, to a satellite with some firmware modifications. That's why we went inside the 3GPP. The 3GPP is the global organization that set up the standard. And we start contributing to the 3GPP in order to push the standard uh, to the release 17 that was approved last year. And this is a, just a firmware update of the devices. And with this uh, firmware uh, change, okay, the same device, the same $5 device uh, of the shelf that today Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile may be using in the United States or Claro in South America or Telefonica in some places of the world, okay? This same device, it connects directly with our uh, satellite. What we did after Wow, that, with the firmware update. Yeah, 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 a firmware update. That's impressive. And uh, uh, additionally, what we did is uh, we connect, for the first time in history, a satellite constellation to a, a 5G core in order to simulate for the mobile operators that we are just another mobile operator and being able to do a single roaming uh, agreement with them. Then for the final users, it's absolutely... Uh, seamless. They go from uh, to be connected to a base station or the uh, uh, main mobile operator uh, to be connected to our satellite without uh, doing anything uh, or exactly the same that they do when they travel abroad, okay? That they are connected to a third-party uh, mobile operator. The mobile operator recognizes the device, ask the main MNO that uh, and drive us back the information. Then uh, for the for the final user, absolutely transparent, and for the mobile operators too. Okay, for the mobile operators, uh, they are just signing uh, uh, roaming agreements uh, with us, and we deliver back the information from the final customers. We are an extension of coverage for the mobile operators. That makes a lot of sense. And uh, IoT uh, has so many various use cases. I, I was looking at your website, and you have a ton of use cases. I'd be I'd be curious to hear. Where specifically, uh, what kind of customers are, are especially interested in your services? Yeah, let, let me, let me you know, just introduce a concept of uh, uh, low-Earth conservation. Low-Earth conservation, now satellites, they are very close. Uh, they are 500 kilometers from Earth, okay? And they go around uh, the world uh, every 90 minutes, okay? This means that one satellite uh, 
uh, goes for maybe plays in the world twice a day. Okay? And with one satellite, you have full coverage everywhere, but just twice a day. Then uh, we keep launching satellites. Right now we have two satellites. We're going to have uh, four more satellites beginning next year. With these four satellites, we are going to be able to deliver only okay, eight messages per day, which means that at this moment we are only covering uh, certain use cases that uh, do not need real time. They are flexible on the delay and the latency. Uh, that's why we are signing a lot of agriculture, a lot of agrotech, cattle management, uh, infrastructure monitoring, uh, uh, a lot of uh, smart metering in water. Uh, uh, these are very good examples. Smart metering needs one message per day. Then for them it's perfect because uh, the smart meter is in the middle of nowhere. Then once a day, wake up, send a message, and uh, sleep down. This is one of our contributions to the standard because uh, what everybody asks always is that, oh, yes, but then the IoT will spend the battery much, much faster than uh, uh, when it's connected to a base station. And the reality is that uh, uh, it's not, okay? The device has the same life, battery life, okay, that it has when it connects to a base station because uh, we transmit the families of the satellite uh, once every month and the device knows exactly when the satellite fights over, sends the message, sleeps down again, okay, till uh, next time that they need to, uh, to send some information uh, uh, back. Okay, so especially in those applications where something is extremely remote, and we're talking years before anyone could potentially get to them, that would make a lot of sense. So that would still not impact the battery life. And, uh, you know, those devices could stay exactly where they are for, for potentially many years before anyone would need to go to them. So that, that makes a lot of sense. So in terms of what your company is coming up on doing, so you're going to be launching new satellites soon, it sounds like. Um, and I know there's been a lot of funding that also has come your company's way. I'm curious, any recent news or any um, anything coming in the future that you'd like to share about what's next for your company? Oh, yes. We uh, we have these four satellites already manufactured that we are going to launch with SpaceX uh, beginning next year. With these four satellites, we are starting the commercial service that... Uh, since today, what we have been doing is uh, testing the satellite and the technology that we have been developing for the last uh, four years. Uh, there are what uh, has surprised us is the number of the devices that need to be connected in these places where there is no coverage. Okay, that uh, uh, this was something that uh, we really believe that the market has been highly underestimated because a standard takes all. Okay, it's absolutely different since today. There were some solutions coming from satellite but you always uh, uh, based on proprietary uh, uh, protocols and proprietary devices. And, uh, and people just want a standard. People uh, want something that it does not depend on uh, satellite, it does not depend on uh, any company. That they know, okay, they may switch to one provider to another provider uh, if they are not happy uh, with the service. And this changed everything because uh, the number of devices that uh, are, uh, are being uh, subscribing uh, our services, it's uh, increasingly high. Every month we got more people than to want the service once it will be ready uh, next year. Then uh, what our forecast, it will take us to launch up to 64 satellites by 2025. With 64 satellites, we'll be having a, a satellite flying over any point on Earth every 20 minutes, which... Uh, takes most of the use cases. Most of the use cases in IoT, okay, very few use cases in IoT, it's real time, okay, even logistics. When you talk about, for example, for 
containers, maritime containers, it's uh, what they asking for. It's around two hours revisit time. Uh, in the case of uh, terrestrial logistics, uh, they ask once uh, every hour. And uh, there are some use cases that needs. Uh, we have found all types of use cases. It's amazing. Every day we discover new uh, use cases with uh, bees, with high power uh, poles. Okay. Do you say bees? Yes, bees, bees. They want to control the, the bees, okay, from their distance, okay, that uh, it's wow. <laughs> I exactly say the same, okay. You said bees? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, yeah that's, that's a new one. I haven't heard that one. That's interesting. Huh. We always say, okay, that a connected world uh, is a better world. That's why we have at the same time signing with NGOs in order to deliver free of charge connectivity in places. We have signed with SOS Amazonia that is take care of the forest of Amazonia in order that uh, uh, to maintain it. We have signed with a World War Fund in Africa in order to uh, to track the animals that are endangered species. And then all these uh, things that today it's absolutely impossible to do because of the 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 cost, the usual cost of a satellite uh, device. It's uh, two, three, four hundred uh, uh, euros each. Okay, and uh, when you say no, we, we may have it for five dollars, and uh, and uh, people say, well, may I buy it? No, them. Okay, in the same shop that you have bought uh, the last uh, twenty devices that they are using. In agriculture, for example, the, the, the benefits is enormous. Uh, uh, water savings goes up to 40% uh, using uh, IoT. Okay? Not, uh, then, uh, and there are countries like uh, Brazil, where uh, it's one of our main uh, regions where we have more customers, okay? that uh, 70% of Brazil has no mobile coverage. And 20% of the GDP of Brazil, it depends on agriculture, when we join these two things, okay, they say, wow, this is a revolution because we may have connectivity for IoT, for agrotech. Uh, like US, uh, Brazil, it's quite advanced country. There is a lot of technology uh, companies that want to have agrotech implemented. And since today it was impossible because other solutions were for satellite, which is too cost, okay, the, for the vast majority of cases, or the other solution was to deploy your own, uh, for example, LoRa. Uh, radio uh, coverage, which is super which is difficult. It's difficult. It's difficult to, difficult to deploy. It's difficult. It's super difficult to maintain because you need batteries or panels, blah blah blah. And then uh, you have to. Uh, they are always, of course, because it's part of the game. Okay, they are in the middle of nowhere. Then if something happens, you have to send them uh, people, which takes a lot of time. Then uh, uh, our solution, direct to device with an IoT, which is the same that. Uh, uh, people is using is perfect for the uh, for the objective. We'll be right back. And now a word from our sponsor, Zscaler leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. 
Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. Welcome back. Now, we've covered space and medicine a few times on this program, and there are a lot of groups working on long-term space travel that focus on astronaut health, and there are others looking at the benefit of microgravity for studying medicine in space, and now the U.S. Air Force wants in on all of the above, and they're looking to launch a new military research working group focusing on space defense-related medical solutions. And of course, this group needs a cool kick-ass acronym for their name, and we've heard of COSMIC before, but this time it stands for the Clinical Operational Space Medicine Innovation Consortium. It will be established as a committee combining performance and health research capabilities through the expertise of participating organizations. Future COSMIC programs will be led by the Air Force Research Laboratory and the Ohio-based 711th Human Performance Wing, or HPW, Human Effectiveness Directorate. Once operational, COSMIC will be working with the 711 HPW at the U.S. Air Force's largest medical wing, the 59th Medical Wing in San Antonio, Texas. Major Dr. Craig Noeldly, an emergency physician and 59th MDW COSMIC Steering Committee co-chair, says, COSMIC represents a significant milestone in our collective efforts to establish defense space medical research capabilities, and that by combining the strengths of both organizations, COSMIC has access to research expertise across a continuum of both clinical medicine and human performance optimization. Yep, there's a ton of scope to this new initiative, and admittedly, details remain vague on what they're going to be studying, but we think this is a move in the right direction. That's it for T-Minus for December 4th, 2023. For additional resources from today's report, check out our show notes at space.n2k.com. We'd love to know what you think of this podcast. You can email us at space at n2k.com or submit the survey in the show notes. Your feedback ensures that we deliver the information that keeps you a step ahead in the rapidly changing space industry. We're privileged that N2K and podcasts like T-Minus are part of the daily routine of many of the most influential leaders and operators in the public and private sector. From the Fortune 500 to many of the world's preeminent intelligence and law enforcement agencies. N2K Strategic Workforce Intelligence optimizes the value of your biggest investment, your people. We make you smarter about your team while making your team smarter. Learn more at n2k.com. This episode was produced by Alice Carruth. Mixing by Elliot Peltzman and Trey Hester, with original music and sound design by Elliot Peltzman. Our executive producer is Jen Iben. Our VP is Brandon Karp. And I'm Maria Varmazes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.
And now a word from our sponsor, Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense provides award-winning cloud-based automated endpoint and vulnerability management solutions to streamline IT and security operations. With its advanced platform, businesses gain complete visibility and control over their infrastructure, reducing IT and security risks and optimizing operational efficiency. With Sixth Sense, you'll get real-time alerts, risk-based vulnerability prioritization and remediations, and an intuitive automation and orchestration engine so you can focus on your core business goals, confident in the knowledge that your enterprise is secure, compliant, and running smoothly. To learn why enterprises choose Sixth Sense, visit SixthSense.com. 